Learn Persian with Chai and Conversation, Growing Up Iruni Interview with Back Home Beer, Zahra Tabo Taboi. Salam Behamegi. I'm so excited about sharing today's interview with Zahra Tabatabai, the woman behind the Persian-inspired beer brand Back Home Beer. You might have seen her Instagram or Twitter profile by now. She boasts three different flavors of beer named Sumac Goes, Persian Blue Lager, and New Day IPA. Although it was released less than a year ago in October 2021, her beers have had quite an impact and presence in the Iranian community. But despite the success of the social media platforms of Back Home Beer, Zahra is pretty private, so she doesn't show up herself very often on her feeds. I was so curious to get to know more about her and was so delighted by her charming personality. I'm sure you'll enjoy getting to know her as much as I did. Let's listen to the interview. So Zahra Tabatabai, thank you so much for talking with me today. Of course. I'm excited we finally were able to make this work. And, and okay, I'm going to just admit to everyone that we've done this once before last week <laughs> and that uh, we recorded an entire hour-long wonderful interview and I forgot to press record. And it's the first time that that's ever happened to me. So <laughs> Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? Let's just do it again. It's totally fine. I'm very happy. I'm happy I get to spend more time with you. That's the... <laughs> It was a lot of fun. So, okay, so let's go back. You are the founder and creator of Back Home Beer, which is a wonderful new, since October of 2021, uh, beer company. And can you tell us a little bit about the beer company to begin with? Yeah, so I launched it in October. It's a it's beer that is basically has is heavily influenced and inspired by flavors of the Middle East, our culture and everything surrounding it. And it's basically using flavors from the region telling a story about the region and the history of beer in the area. And so I launched in October. It's been seven months and it's just been an amazing response so far. And I'm in New York City. I am also in D.C. a little bit. Um, and I'm hoping that in the coming years I can expand to more markets. But for now, I'm, I'm on the East Coast and I'm trying to make this work. Yeah. And you've definitely I feel like you've made a really big splash. You're already like a big part of the conversation. The diaspora here, everyone's really excited about the beer and great reviews on the flavor and everything, which is probably <laughs> the most important part. Yeah, yeah. No, the, res- the community has been amazing. They're the ones who really rallied and supported me. And like, I know so many people by name through my social media pages because they're just amazing and they send me pictures and then they tell their friends and their friends tell people. And it's just been this organic experience for me. and. Really awesome to see so many people, a lot of women come in support of yes. me. And so it's really been amazing just from people within our community. Right. And not traditionally a space for women. Most of the beer brewers are men. Most people in the conversation are men. So it's really nice to to hear your voice and, and see your touch on, on this uh, industry. Thank you. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, I'm trying to target people who might not be traditional beer drinkers either. And so I'm hoping that that's, you know, has reached women maybe, or people who don't necessarily love beer, but can appreciate these flavors. 
Right. And we'll talk about that idea of traditional beer drinkers when it comes to Iranians as well, because that's a big part of, of what you do. Um, but I also want to say I like that the name Back Home Beer kind of relates to a lot of different people, not just Iranians, you know, immigrants in general. Um, and then also the graphic design, though, is very uniquely Iranian. So can you tell us a little bit about the logo, how you it came to be and what it represents? Yeah, of course. So the logo is the Azadi Tower in Tehran, and it's kind of made to resemble a beer mug. And so I feel like for Iranian people or people in the area, they might recognize that. And that translates into the Freedom Tower. Um, and so but then for anyone who's American or doesn't know about the um, the marker in, in Tehran, they just think it's a beer mug. And so I had the vision to do that. I found um, this woman who's in Tehran kind of gave her the idea and then she put together the logo and I think it turned out really nice and uh, kind of expanding on that the two cans um, that we have out well we have three but the first two were part of a poetry series and the designer in Iran she had the idea I wanted language the Persian language on the can I just didn't know how to express it and so Mm -hmm. she really took that um, on and she thought of the idea to do a poetry series She's like, poetry is so big from, you know, in Iran. And so she really wanted to highlight that, highlight different poets and verses. And then she also designed the can and how it has the lines and the the Persian. And um, and so I really give her a lot of credit because she really she she came up with that concept. And I think it really worked. It was scary because you don't know how people are going to react to something so, I guess, bold and foreign looking on what is traditionally very American drink. Um, But I think that in Brooklyn, it's been nice because people have been very supportive of it. And um, so, you know, it was scary at first, but I've I've really come around to the whole idea and concept and just kind of owned what I'm trying to do. Right. And we'll come back to the poetry too, because actually poetry is a big part of our uh, language learning program. Um, We have a whole poetry series But it's interesting because in Iranian society, you're right, poetry is so integral to the culture and to the way that people talk. So it's it's like very it's nice that it's it's a ubiquitous part of uh, culture. So it's nice that it's part of the beer can. It's not like a elitist thing or something in Iran. Everybody knows poetry. Right. Right. Exactly. It's a it's like the universal language there. Right. So I think um, and it's similar to beer, beer. um, it, it crosses so many different levels. You know, you can be somebody who um, doesn't have much, but you can still buy beer and somebody who has everything right. and you can still drink a beer. So I feel like it's, it's similar in concept. That's very true. And I heard a story about how it's hard to do financial transactions with uh, Iranians. So I heard that you had to have someone go specifically to walk yes. cash over to this woman. Exactly. I know. So like my uncle was like, what the hell are you doing? But I'm like, listen, you just got to go to this address and you got to give this girl some money. And he was just like, all right, I don't even want to know the details, but he totally got it done because it's like, there's no other way for me to, I mean, legally, it's still not legal what I'm doing because of the sanctions, but there's no PayPal and Zelle and Venmo and banking, you know, transactions. So that's how I had to do it. So yeah, that's how we've kind of continued to um, keep our business relationship going is to just yeah. have these different weird ways of um, exchanging money. So it's quite an adventure, even, <laughs> even that part of it. 
Um, but going back to, let, uh, tell me about, about yourself. So you don't have, you have a great online uh, social media presence, but you yourself don't show up very much on your page. You're kind of yeah. a lot more private um, and you have these beautiful beer cans. But yeah, tell us about yourself. I, I wasn't sure what to expect if you would have an Iranian accent or if you were. So where, <laughs> where were you born and uh, where did you grow up? So for me, I was always a very, and still am a very private person. I never was into social media or even had personal pages um, prior to the business, but I understand that in order to get your name out there and spread the word that that's what you have to do. Um, And so of course I started Instagram and the Twitter pages, but yeah, I mean, I was born in Baltimore. My parents immigrated here for school um, with every intention to go back to Iran They ended up staying here because the revolution happened like right around the time they were graduating and and heading back. And so they ended up staying in the States. Um, But their intention was to go back to Iran, have a family, raise their family there, work there. Their parents were there. You know, their family was there. Um, But we ended up in Baltimore uh, for a few years and then moved down to Atlanta when I was really young. And that's where I grew up. but they really tried to keep a lot of the tradition alive and the culture. And so we were immersed in all of that, celebrating all of the holidays and eating Iranian food. And my grandmother and my aunts and everyone kind of came and we lived within a mile of each other. And so we had our own community that we made kind of in a very small town outside right. of Atlanta. Right. And what was your interaction with the um, Persian language growing up? So I, yeah, I spoke Farsi. um, And so I was raised until five years old, basically speaking Farsi in the house. Um, And then when I started elementary school, I learned English. Um, And so I would say now it's more like I speak English and just my parents will speak Farsi to me. My grandmother, I'll speak Farsi to her. So it's just kind of like, you know, (laughs) there's not one kind of right answer here. I just pick and choose and who I'm comfortable with. And I speak Farsi or who can understand me and things like that. Right. And reading and writing. Did you learn that growing up as well? Yeah, I learned how to read um, writing. Not really. I did go to Farsi school every mm-hmm. week. And so it was like every Saturday or Sunday. I don't remember. We would go <laughs> get dropped off like the whole day and eat and do music and write and read. And so I have a base for reading Farsi. Yeah. Got it. And so now tell me about this idea of beer. So I've read that your grandfather was a big influence on on how this came about. So can you tell me where your grandfather lived? He died when you were very young. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So he came to the States, but he passed away like very shortly after they moved here. So I was very young um, when he passed. So I don't really have much memory of him. And so a lot of what I know about him is stories that my family has talked about back home and stories they've told about him. And so that was really all I had. And so I knew that he was working, he was a brewer and he homebrewed. It wasn't like a professional brewer, but that they talked about he would make wine and he would make beer and he used the garden or the basement to ferment. And they would talk about some of the stuff that he would use. So I was really interested, especially when I kind of also learn more about the history in general of um, brewing and fermentation in the region. So like it kind of got me to more do more research and kind of look into what I didn't know existed, which was like this whole history of having breweries and distilleries and vineyards when our parents lived there and when our grandparents lived there. So 
it was all very interesting to me. And I felt kind of like, wow, there's um, no beer to represent the region. And that's where beer originated. And I thought that's insane. But really, it started as a hobby to kind of for my family. It was like making beer with barberries, Zedesh, um, and using like the Limu Amoni, which is the black limes and certain ingredients that I would use. And then I would mail bottles to them, or I would travel with them in my bag and let them try it. And so it kind of started off as a hobby for a couple of years. And then after that really escalated into more um, of what I'm doing now, which is starting a business and bringing it to market, which was never my intention. Right. Let's go back to what did you learn about beer in Iran? I think most people don't know. Um, I actually interviewed Kave from House of Pod um, a few months ago, and I think you'd sent him some samples of your beer. and, And so he was like, did you know the first beer was in Iran? I had no idea. I remember there was like a headline in an article about it. Yeah. Can you tell us? Like first, how old were you when you started hearing these stories of like beer with your grandfather? Was it, were you older? Were you younger? I was, I would say I wasn't, yeah, I was probably, I feel like in like middle school, maybe, you know, just like kind of when, yeah, they, when they started talking to me about it. It's surprising. So what did you learn about beer in the region? Because you think of Iran as this like Islamic play or, you know, Islam rules and you are not allowed to drink beer in Iran. So yeah, what's the history what was it like when your grandfather was there? Yeah. So for me, I didn't really delve into that part of it until I more started to think about, oh, maybe I could just brew a couple beers for my grandmother or my family to try using these flavors. Mm-hmm. And then I started to do more research after I, you know, they'd always talk about breweries and stuff like that in Iran, but I didn't really look into it. And then once I started to read, I'm like, wow, the earliest evidence they have of barley brewing, which is the base of beer. Um, originated in what is now the Zagros Mountains of Iran. Wow. And so archaeologists like actually uncovered that. And like you said, there were a lot of arch- and there were a lot of um, articles and things like that. And so right. there is this history of brewing in the region. More modernly, it was um, there were breweries there, there were distilleries, there were vineyards. Um, there was a big brewery there in Tehran called Argo, mm. Argo Brewery. And it, the building has, was um, condemned and used for other purposes. In recent years, they, it's actually opened up as a gallery. And they've just um, opened, I think last year, as a non-alcoholic craft brewery. And they tapped um, somebody from Heineken who works, who's in Amsterdam. And I actually got to talking to him too. He did a contract in Iran over like the last year and was helping them to develop non-alcoholic recipes. Wow, okay. What about your grandfather specifically? He was in Shiraz, which is kind of a more conservative city, right? It was still like making beer, making wine, having neighbors come, everyone wow. you know, drinking, and they knew what he was doing. You know, it wasn't like that. And my family was very secular. Most of the families that they were friendly with, it seemed like were the same. And so right. even though it is definitely known for being a more like conservative small town, mm-hmm. that was not their experience at that time. And I have this picture of, I think you you wrote that he had a kind of courtyard house and he had these like gardens in the courtyard house. Yeah, and- exactly. So it's like a, a lot of the homes- image. It is. And a lot of the homes there, as you know, like they've got these walled gardens. And so- right. He just had this beautiful space and area that he could brew and dry the grain or do whatever he needed to do um, to, to brew the beer. And he was able to do that freely, which unfortunately, since 1980, 
And what people know about Iran is that you can no longer do that. Right. So like when I came out with this beer, people are like, you know, why are you brewing a Muslim beer? And I'm like, it's not a Muslim (laughs) beer, you know, like, you know, Budweiser is not a Christian beer. It's like, that's not how it works, you know? So it's not, you know, it was just something that I thought was so interesting because, and it makes sense. I mean, this is the vision that people have and the narrative that is pushed by a lot of the media and what's actually going on there too. But like that Iran, um, you know, you, you could, there was never any beer there. It's always right. been outlawed and that's just what people think, but it was not always like that at right. all. Well, I, I find it super exciting that you're continuing the legacy of your family and this legacy of our, our history that a lot of us don't know about. I'm Thank very you. excited about yeah. that. And now let's fast forward. So you started brewing the beer a little bit before the pandemic, and then it kind of took off as a pandemic activity, like a lot of people. <laughs> exactly. So I really, I took a few classes at a homebrew shop here called Bitter Nesters in Brooklyn. I watched a lot of YouTube videos. Right. I made a bunch of really bad beer, like uh-huh. infected beer. Some you could drink, <laughs> some you couldn't. So, um, yeah, I went through that whole process for a couple of years, just trying to figure out how to do this. Um, and then after that, I, it was during the pandemic that it kind of made me reevaluate things a little bit. And I'm not a risk taker by any means. I'm scared of everything. Um, and so it just made me think like, let me just do it and see what happens, you know? And so that's when the sumac goes, it came out first in October that's with Albalu, which is sour cherries and the sumac. It's a beautiful red color too, I have to say. <laughs> you posted a photo the other day and I was like, I need that right now. <laughs> it looked beautiful. <laughs> it is because it sits on like over 800 pounds. It's like a per- for the batches of sour cherries. It's an insane <sighs> amount of sour cherries. Um, and so it's, it's really tasty. And I really wanted that to come out first because I felt like there were a lot of people who really were cheerleaders for what I was doing that didn't love beer, but this is kind of like a fruited beer and the sour category. And so I figured it was a good beer to come out with first. And so that's what I did. And what is the poem on that one? So that one is a, uh, which one's that one? Rumi quote. And it says, if light is in your heart, you will find your way home. And so that one, I felt like kind of really spoke to me too, because it talks about home and like, you know, going back home and that kind of thing. So that was the first one. The mm-hmm. second one um, was our Persian blue, which mm-hmm. is a lager. And so that one is made with this really beautiful, like crystal blue salt that comes from Iran in rocks. Mm-hmm. And um, that one is an Omar Chaim quote. And it says, be happy for this moment. This moment is your life. And wow. so it was funny because it was like my dad, kind of running through roomy books and like reading poems and like texting me verses and me being like, no, I don't like that. And it was a lot of that. And then also the graphic designer being like, oh, I found this poem. So it was just a lot of like reading and trying to figure out what felt right to be on the cans. Yeah. Yeah. And did you feel like, did you used to read poetry yourself, the Persian poetry, or has this kind of gotten you more into that world? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I wasn't ever into poetry, but my dad was. So he always had like a library of books and you know how they are like always quoting a verse, you know, like that. And so I definitely had exposure to it, but I myself was not really into it at all. I think now um, I'm, I'm definitely more into like, I've, I have got a few books and I'm into reading it. And I think it's, um, 
really beautiful. And I've been missing out for a long time, but I'm excited now that like, you know, I have so much to read. Yeah. To get to know. Sadam Bahamigi, a quick note from Layla here. We talk a lot in this episode about the poetry that Zara has chosen for the back home beer, beer cans. That's a big part of the design of the cans and the overall message she's trying to convey with the beers. Poetry is such a big part of the Iranian culture, and that's why we have a whole program devoted to it on Chai and Conversation. Our poetry course is for complete beginners to the Persian language and for advanced speakers alike. We cover some of the greatest Persian poetry, both classical and modern, and through it learn how to use the words and phrases in the poems in conversation. You can check out the program and even sign up for a 30-day free trial to check out all the lessons on our website at www.chayanconversation.com. Enjoy! So now tell us about your New Day IPA, because that's also a, a fun poem on there and beautiful graphic design, which we we share a graphic designer for anyone that doesn't know. The, um, the woman that uh, designed all my illustrations and everything on our website is the same one that did this beer can, which is a phenomenal beer can, too. I know. She is so talented. Her name is Mina Jaffetti. She lives, she's Iranian. She lives in Washington, D.C. She's so talented. And she designed the can for New Day IPA, which um, first incorporates three ingredients from the half scene, which is apples and sumac and wheat. And then um, for the can, I did like Horsheed Hanum, which is our sun woman. And so um, she has this beautiful illustration of a woman who has this long hair and it looks like she could be in, in like hijab, but it could also be her hair. Like it's so symbolic on so many levels. And I love that right. can. And it's funny because I have different, she had sent me like a few different ideas. They were all amazing but I just felt like this one was so great. And now I feel like I want to just have it an annual release during Noru's yeah. um, to put it out there and, you know, try and um, maybe have it as a special Noru's beer annually. Right. Yeah. Tell us about the ingredients. So they all, they have to do with Noru's. Yeah. So that one, exactly. So I did like a apple in there for Sieb. And so that one is like health and beauty. And so that one also was symbolized in the label with the woman sumac, which represents the sun and sunrise. And in the, in the can, the sun is like right behind her right. and then wheat for like the sabzi. And, you know, that was in the grain of the, of the beer. So it's funny. I really tried to like, it was such a symbolic beer for so many reasons from the ingredients right. to the can design. And then on top of the woman, I don't know if I said this already, but it says Haruzaton Noruz which right. is like, which you helped with. I'm like, we were like, help Layla. What is exactly <laughs> the translation? Like it says, I mean, every day is a new day, but you were like, it can also be like, it's a new beginning can be right. the exact translation is every day is a new day. Like may every day be a new day. And then, right. you, know, it's a, you know, may every day be a new beginning, which I thought was beautiful and it's spring and it's, you know, for Noru. So that's kind of what we went with on the translation on the back of the can. Right, which I think is a great example of how, like, you can translate things into English, and like you said, the literal translation is "haruzetan noruz," may every day be a new day. But it means so much more than that because that concept of noruz is like this new beginning, new, and so that's a good example of why there's like certain words that you just can't translate <laughs> into English. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for helping with that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So then how right now, like how has this, I feel like it's probably changed your relationship with the Iranian culture and the Persian language. It definitely has. I mean, I'm in New York City, but you'd be surprised there wasn't very many Persian restaurants or right. um, or like cafes or access to Persian food, no grocery, Persian grocery market, you know? So wow. we had a small community of like few Iranians that I was close with from when I moved here 17 years ago, you know? So it was like, that was my core group right. of a few friends. Um, but I didn't really have much interaction with the larger Iranian community. And this is definitely like just thrown me into all of that. And so yeah. now I know all the Iranian business owners <laughs> and I know the Iranian boat business owner that owns this bar and wants to support me. And so they bring the beer in. Like, it's really cool how many people I've met. And in the last few years, Iran, uh, the, I think um, in New York, the Iranian businesses and like restaurants and access to that has kind of boomed in the last maybe like four years. Definitely. And so now there are like bars and restaurants and cafes and things like that. And so it's getting the recognition and the exposure that we so desperately needed. And so I think it's really cool to see what's happening with Persian culture in New York City right now. I agree. I feel like there's this complete change of energy and people are infusing it with their own meaning. It's not what we like thought growing up, like this is what Iranian culture is. Like we're really evolving that and and it does feel like everybody's really supportive and there's a lot of energy there's a lot of new plays that are out in New York City there's a lot of you know a lot of creators and and, and different things that I'm seeing and it's not just New York City it's like we've created this like global network just like I'm in Austin you're in New York and I feel like I feel like I'm very intimate familiar with your work and so it's nice to have this community it's it nice is. to be a part of it really is. It's definitely brought me closer to my culture for sure and my people. So yeah. it's it's been really cool. And you have a son and he's half Iranian. Your partner's not not uh, Iranian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So how are you uh how are you passing on Iranian culture to him or do y'all sp- does he speak any Persian or do y'all he do does, the traditions? He really doesn't speak so much Persian, which is bad. I feel guilty about <laughs> it. But you know, it's hard. My partner's not Iranian and um so, and he, we're not close to family geographically so much. Um, right. And he's a really smart kid, at, like very advanced. And he asked me questions about gravity and what's M E equals MC squared and this and that. And it's like, for me, I can't respond. I can't answer most. <laughs> I can't have most of my conversations with him in, in Persian. So um, for right. me, unfortunately not, but we, I cook a lot of Persian food. Um, I tell him we celebrate the holidays. I go to his school and do little events. And he he's definitely aware of being half Iranian and he tells people that. And so that's kind of the best I can do. Um, yeah. But, you know, but he he definitely he, he knows and he he appreciates. He loves the food. He eats all of it. And so um, I think that's a big part of it, too. Yeah. And I'm sure with this project that you're doing, he's getting a lot more you know, information. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Into it. Yeah, definitely. Learning about the my family and the history and beer. And it's funny to see him, but he helps me with like inventory and all kinds of stuff. So he's definitely thrown into the mix and he helps me with deliveries. And he, he goes with me um, in between lugging him from school to jujitsu or whatever he's going to. Sometimes <laughs> I'll drop 
and do deliveries in between. And he's always with me. So he definitely sees what I'm doing and is a big part of it. Wonderful. Well, so where can people find your beer? Where can people find you and and get more information about what you're working on? Yeah. So the beer is available on the Northeast right now. It's available in New York City, in Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan. Um, I self-distribute, which means I deliver in my my little rinky-dink car. So I can't really get out to the Bronx or Staten Island much, but for now it's in three of the five boroughs. You can go on the website or on my Instagram or message me and find a beer finder and figure out. It's in a lot of like bars, restaurants, some grocery stores, things like that. Um, I also distribute down in Washington, D.C., and so it's down there, too. Um, And then I'm really hoping to be able to add like a shipping capability and be able to ship beer as well um, to other states is the hope. People don't realize, though, like they're always asking me, like, why can't you ship yet? And I'm like... (laughs) It's alcohol. There are yeah. some crazy rules. <laughs> like it is just, you know, it's guided by state to state. I can't ship beer, you know, across state lines. Like there's so much legality to it. So it's not right. as simple as like throwing a t-shirt in and, and shipping it. It doesn't right. work like that. So I'm, I really am working on it. Um, and I'm <laughs> hoping to be able to ship to other states. And while you do the enthusiasm is just like building and building and people are getting more excited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But we'll uh, we'll link to all of that on the show notes. But the Instagram is at Back Home Beer. Yes. And so is the Twitter. They're both wonderful. Uh, I follow both. Well, Zahra John, thank you so much for talking with me today and of doing course. this again. Having this whole <laughs> It was nice. I got practiced the first time, so I came prepared. That's right. That's right. All right. So then again, we'll link to all this on the show notes. And thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. And that was the interview with Zahra from Back Home Beer. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, check out the show notes for this podcast for any links that we mentioned. And remember to check out our website at chaiandconversation.com with chai spelled C-H-A-I. For even more interviews and courses for conversational Persian, Persian poetry, and reading and writing the Persian language. You can even get a free 30-day trial to check out all the learning resources we've ever made there. And that's it for now. This week's episode was edited by Chadwick Wood, and our theme music was written and performed by Babak Rajabi. And until next time, Hoda Hafiz from Leila.